Okay, thanks for that wonderful introduction there. Hi guys, um, uh, my name's Cliff, I'm from the Veterans for Scottish Independence Group uh, 2.0. Uh, I, I sort of wanted to come on and speak to you guys because I think there is an awful lot of overlap uh, between us on the veterans side of things uh, and you guys on the pensioner side of things. Obviously, there's an awful lot of veterans that are pensioners. And between the two of us, we've probably got the, I would think, the toughest nut uh, to crack um, as far as convincing people to, to vote for independence. Probably not as tough as it was uh, 2013, 2014, uh, because of subsequent actions uh, from Westminster. But um, I, th I think we, for, for the groups the, the sort of, uh, that are out there, I think we've probably got one, one of the toughest uh, toughest nuts to crack. Um, I, I'm a military veteran. I spent 24 years in the army, and I think you guys all got myself the bio I put forward and uh, had an absolutely fantastic career uh, all over the place. Uh, but as, as I was going out and about in the world, um, I discovered that you know there are small countries out there that are having a, a good go of things and are on friendly uh, terms with their neighbours as well. Uh, I was also beginning to realise that the, the history that I had not been taught, uh, as opposed to being taught, the history I had not been taught at school, um, was a huge uh, you know, omission in, in my knowledge and I sort of started picking up uh, my knowledge of, of my country uh, from there on in. So um, basically, uh, we as veterans, any opportunity we can to uh, promote the, the cause of independence, uh, we, we will grasp. Um, because like yourselves, we are often a group that uh, gets bypassed uh, for uh, sort of uh, the, the more uh, headline acts um, that, that may come along. I'm talking of a headline act. I think Nicola's due on in about a minute's time. So I've, I've been upstaged by David Cameron. I saw, hey, the first minister doing it, I have no problems with. Um, anybody got any questions there? Do you do any actual stalls, Cliff? We don't actually, or we haven't actually done any any stalls as yet. We tend to sort of latch ourselves on to, to anybody that's sort of in the community and we do it that way. Uh, on the on the rallies and the marches, we, we tend to take part in the, in the marches, maybe a speaking slot, uh, but we, we don't actually do, do, the, do the stalls as yet. Although we do have the gazebo and stuff to do it with, I think it's just sheer, sheer laziness on our part at this moment in time. So how do you feel about, let's say, the, the other guys that you served with? You must have served with a number of different um, regiments, possibly, when you were serving. Yeah, yeah I started off with the Queens on Highlander. I had 14 years with them, as far east as Hong Kong, as uh, well, in fact, as far east as South Korea, uh, as, as far west as Belize, uh, down to Falklands, uh, north to Canada, that type of thing. Uh, when I transferred to the medical corps and did a further 10 years, yeah, I started serving with a lot more regiments with the, uh, as you were attached to, to various units doing various different things. Not, not all of them Scottish regiments. So yeah, it's you know, a cross-section of society as, a, as a, when I was in the army. 
So we, we do have a question in from Janet. Can, can you speak of what an independent Scottish Defence Force would look like and what arguments can we use to reassure people? The, the, the big, I'll start with the sort of the negative that the um, establishment put forward is that, you know, this big scare story that we would not be able to defend ourselves, which is, of course, absolute nonsense. Um, the only sort of paper we can draw back on was the the white paper put out uh, prior to the last independence referendum, which is six years old and I know is getting looked at again. Mm -hmm. So the figures I'm going off uh, uh, are, are what we had then. What we're looking for is a defence force. Whatever it actually gets called, it will be a defence force because it will be under a certain amount of troops. Yeah, uh, So it will be classed as a defence force. Heck, the UK, technically speaking, has a defence force now. Uh, such are the numbers so low. We have got, what, 10,000 miles, just over 10,000 miles of coastline to defend, plus our off offshore assets. So we will probably be maritime heavy as opposed mm -hmm. to uh, ground forces. So we, we will need the assets to look after that. As far as the ground forces go, uh, we, we will probably have what's called a brigade strength, which is anything between three to 5,000 troops. It will need to be set up and set up in a way that the boys and girls that we ask to deploy are able to do a job. And we're certainly not aiming to, to hang on to the coattails of, of the US you know, uh, and do this protracted uh, retreat from empire that, that, that Westminster seems to have been doing since 1945. So we're not talking about a defence force of that. But what some people get a little bit confused with as even working under the United Nations, yeah, uh, sometimes, you know, on peacekeeping duties, you, you have to actually win the peace first. So our boys and girls deploying need to, to one, have the correct training, two, mm. the correct equipment, and three, the, the correct mandate for being there. Like any other country of our size, uh, we, we will have a defence force. New Zealand has a very good defence force, you know, their, their, their infantry regiment uh, and their, 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 their teeth arms and sport arms are incredibly well-renowned worldwide. So we, we'll be along the same lines. It, will we be part of NATO? That's a choice for an independent Scotland. You know, that will be our choice. Um, it certainly, as I was mentioned the other day, it certainly will not be a scaled down version of what the UK is just now. We do not need nuclear weapons. You know, I can't stand the damn things. All right, so let's get rid of them. We don't need vanity projects uh, like the aircraft carriers, that type of thing. Yeah. So, so how many boats do you think we would need? The ships. Uh, well, I, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what the difference is between a boat and a ship. Although my, my navy colleague will will probably tell me. Uh, <laughs> I think a boat you can put on a ship, but a ship you can't put on a boat. I think that was explained to me one time, but I'm not too sure if that's the right the right definition or not. Um, how many? I ah, a flotilla of frigates for sure. Uh, the, the, uh, so that's what it's eight possibly. That's the thing. We'll need some sort of uh, amphibious uh, deployment ship so we can get our. Uh, uh, ground forces to an area, for example, mm -hmm. disaster relief, a helicopter support ship, some, some along that lines. But again, tied in with the maritime will be the, the, 
the air assets as well. The Norwegians have got some very good um, air defence, uh, nuclear hunt, uh, sorry, submarine hunter aircraft that, mm. that we, we could have. And like it or not, uh, Scotland sits in a very, very strategic place in the world. Uh, and uh, NATO uh, will, I think, want to keep a hold of Scotland. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, they, they will court us. And no, we do not need, as was said in the last referendum, we do not need to give permission uh, to house any nuclear weapons on our soil to be a no. member of NATO. There are no. countries, members of NATO, that, that most definitely turn around and say, you do not get in here with nuclear weapons on board. Yeah, so uh, I, I think looking after ourselves, uh, we, being part of NATO is no bad thing. Um, you know, we, we did a positive thing as part of NATO in the former Yugoslavia. I did a six-month tour both as part of the UN and then as part of NATO, and that was a positive thing. You know, that was maintaining maintaining mm -hmm. the, the, the peace between the, the warring factions. Excellent answer. Lots of information. Angie and Dave would like to know, do you anticipate that UK troops will be used to settle Scottish unrest in our journey towards independence? I have, from the outset, turned around and said that uh, UDI is a non-starter. The only way troops would deploy onto the streets uh, is if there is a complete breakdown of law and order. That's the only way the troops get onto the streets. The way things are at the moment, I can't see that happening. There is absolutely no indication from our side of it, the Yes movement, that, that that's the way we're heading. I'm not picking up anything along that line. No. Uh, and as for anybody on the other side, uh, any of the, the less desirable elements from, from the no side of things, right, um, they, they are so small and inconsequential that the, the police would be able to deal with them. I cannot, no, I cannot see troops on the streets of Scotland. We're, this is not going to be another Northern Ireland. This is not going to be another Aden or it's not going to be another Cyprus, that type of thing. There's oh. a huge, huge step putting troops on the ground. And um, it's a huge, huge thing. And, you know, the first thing you got to do is convince the local uh, uh, police that it's needed. Yeah, because they, they do not want troops on the ground. It's not a soldier's responsibility to police anything. You know, no. they're not trained. Uh, so no, the the, the, uh, the the Scottish police force is good enough for, uh, for uh, keeping us straight on that state. And one from Mary Stewart. In an independent Scotland, will veterans be properly cared for, unlike at present? That is what we're hoping for. And I have spoken with MPs, uh, MSPs uh, about this uh, on behalf of the veterans. At present, Veteran Affairs has been uh, farmed out to the devolved administrations and to the councils in England. So this thing when uh, whoever's in power in Westminster stands up uh, and says, well, we want to honour the Forces Covenant, that's all they have to do is to stand up and announce it in Parliament and they all clap their hands and that's it. But mm -hmm. they don't actually look after the boys and girls. So to answer that question, yes, with our budget, that Scotland will have. There, there needs to be something set aside for veterans. And I don't mean taking it away from anybody else. All we're asking is 
if we get put into harm's way, then the people putting us into harm's way look after what comes back. Uh, that that type of thing, uh, and that is very close to my heart because I've I've experienced uh, what the care is like, or was like. It's a lot lot better now, uh, and it, it was complete disaster. It's always been the case, of course, hasn't it? Uh, Absolutely, and, and they're always abandoned after they've done their bit and they're not needed anymore. Well, we've got to make a break from that, unless hope within all aspects of a new and independent Scotland that that we break the mould. There's no point at all in Scotland setting itself up independent just to be a, a scaled-down version of, of what's south of the Rio Tweed. Caroline and Keith have said, are there a greater proportion, a greater number of Scots in the UK's armed forces than would be reflected by head of population? It was a tragic truth in WW2 uh, that twice as many Scots were killed than our per head of population might have justified. Yes, there, there, there always has been, uh, and that is a, an awful lot to do with uh, the way the regimental system was set up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been greatly destroyed now by successive governments, but when we, when we had our county and uh, regional regiments, you know, um, there was a great uh, esprit de corps amongst the regiments, yeah. the recruiting staff would go in. Uh, and the areas were not the most uh, highly industrialised areas, especially the highlands. Mm -hmm. So you were getting, you know, options were fishing. Well, in my case was, you know, up in Thursday, you know, it was either getting to Dunray or join the forces, basically. Uh -huh. uh, uh, my own experiences of, of witnessing the, the, the strength of the Scottish element uh, within the army would have been on the ceasefire uh, in the first Gulf War. Um, and it was absolutely stunning to see all the vehicles flying, the, the salt air, uh, uh, the, the lion rampant. Uh, and this was from all, all sorts of units. And just about every single Scottish infantry regiment, bar one, was deployed on that one. And the uh -huh. one that wasn't uh, was actually on duty in Northern Ireland. Tank mm -hmm. regiment, for Royal well, Tank Regiment was out there, as was their cavalry regiment, the Royal Scots Troop Guards. So, and their guns were out there as well. So everybody that could have deployed uh, under a, with a Scottish cap badge was deployed. Cliff, when you get the chance to talk uh, current Scottish military personnel in terms of independence? Uh, mixed. Yeah, uh -huh. very mixed. Uh, it, it's, it's broken down into three areas. The vast majority don't want anything to do with politics. Right? Uh, uh, and I, I've been there myself. I know what it's like. Uh, you have then those that are uh, staunchly against the idea of independence, uh, and then you have the guys and girls that are, are for independence. Uh, it's pretty much like what we're facing out, out there. <laughs> from the positive side of things, I always like to be positive, right? Uh, from those I've spoken to that have expressed an interest in, uh, in uh, Scotland becoming independent, all of them uh, would want to join the Scottish Defence Force. Yvonne, Yvonne has managed to type uh, her wee message and she says, I hope that veterans would not, would be not rough sleeping so much in future. I've tried to race this with my MSP, but the reply was very general or more general. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an area they don't want to go, or some of them don't want to go near. And for, for the obvious reason, yeah. Um, uh, 
it has been delegated down to, to, to the Scottish Parliament to deal to deal with veterans. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't have the money to deal with it. Um, I mean, veterans, military veterans take up roughly what? Seeing some uh, from the Legion, it was sort of like ten percent of the population. It's a huge amount of military veterans. Not all of them, thankfully, are, are, are falling through the system. But yes, the, the, there are those people that are, that are on the streets, and we need to we need to be better than what has gone before us. Absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, for us to be to justify all the time and effort that, that we're putting in to get our independence than what exists just now. I don't know how you keep so positive, Cliff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's part of my nature, and it's part of what I've been through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no matter what's getting thrown at us, uh, it will never be as as bad or as rough as what my roughest day has ever been. Mm -hmm. Aye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you know, I I don't find it uh, problematic being being mm -hmm. uh, positive. Uh, I do have my days. I can assure you. Yeah, uh, but uh, most of the time, yeah, it's, it's positive mental attitude. I, I find the daily news from all over, uh, I have to say, it's quite hard to stay positive through it all and not, not see all the downsides. Um, the, what's happened now is uh, there's 24-hour news channels. There's no such thing as 24-hour news. All they do is loop it for every hour and a half, if it's a particularly busy day, it'll be exactly the same stories. So you're continually getting this negative reinforced as far as the news goes. Um, uh, I'll have various sites to give up some, if anything, important breaks, but otherwise I stick to normal uh, normal hours of news. You know, you're six. I have another question for you. This is from Angie and Dave Maxwell again. What would your estimate be of a realistic timescale for removal of the nuclear elements from Scotland? Right. The nuclear elements can be gone within weeks. That, that, that's the weapon systems. All the marsh down south of London, there, 40 miles south of London, is the storage facility for them. Right? They've, they've got the weapons down there. The, the actual Trident submarines right? and the rusting hulks from previous submarines, the, which also need tidying up and cleaned up before uh, our UK move out. Well, that might take a little bit longer. Remember, if we get rid of the nuclear weapons, that's the North Scotland saga. We might be left with nuclear-powered submarines, but then we can start leasing the base to them. And uh, Devonport, South of England, is able to take Trident. Um, and then I heard something very briefly about them storing the weapons across in the US or the US taking uh -huh. the, the missiles into their into their basket and then the, the RUK Trident subs go out there, uh, weapon, weaponize themselves and then go off and do what patrolling they do. Time scale on that, uh, oof, that's a very good question. But the, the removal of the weapons could, could you know, would, would happen within the period of negotiations from uh, uh, the referendum to us becoming independent, which I think is somewhere in the in the region of two years, is it not? Uh, I think that was what was being thought about. Depends how many arguments we have, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, there's, a, again, a lot of thing about the, how much debt is Scotland going to get saddled with. Well, technically, going from the UN charters, uh, yeah, exactly, zero, because we're an emerging country. 
uh, but then we are not responsible for any debt from right. the country that was before. Right. Um, and of course, if they, they, they want us to take on a debt, any debt, then they've got to play good good guy with us about the border and removal of Trident, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the assets. Yeah. Now, we've got to be careful with the assets. What would they give us? <laughs> yeah. The last thing we want to be saddled with is, is redundant or, or, or useless bits of kit. You know, because then we're in no better state, you know, and having nothing at all. So, yeah, yeah the, the acid thing, uh, we might not get hardware, but uh, we, we might get money off them to equivalent to that, which would then allow us to buy uh, more state-of-the-art equipment to the guys and girls have to deploy with, with equipment to do the job. Yeah, Pippa has said, what do you think about the poppy cult, which is now about glorifying more and Britain's role in it? Um, we always, always coming up this time of year, keep a, a, a watch out uh, for, for what we term as the poppy Nazis. Yeah, you have mm. to wear a poppy, you have to have this colour poppy on. If you want to wear a poppy, you wear a poppy. Yeah. What colour is it? Whatever colour you want to wear, whatever you want that to represent, you uh. wear that colour of poppy. Um, but the fact that they're slapping the poppy onto fast jets, onto armoured vehicles, that type of thing, is a glorification, which the whole thing about the poppy was was originally not for. It was as a, 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 an act of remembrance uh, for those that, that paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, but that has been lost, twisted in translation. Uh, unlike much else uh, when it comes to the veterans, etc., by the uh, by, the, the current administration uh, is twisted to their own benefits. Can I move on to a wee word from Janet, who has said, "Has the Scottish government ever sought your view or opinions?" Yes, they have. Uh, we we have uh, we did um, when the veterans first got together. Uh -huh. First got together was uh, Indy Live, young Kevin, who runs that. Is that one up? Yes. Uh, um, he was noticing on Facebook veterans were speaking up uh, and kind of getting lost in the clutter. Uh, yes, so he, he got us together at Bear's Den and we had Keith Brown came along, a veteran of the uh, Falklands War. So uh, he was there and we have had sporadic conversations uh, with him. Since then, uh, and very recently, we had a conversation uh, with Carl Mona about setting up uh, some stuff with the veterans. So, yes, we, we have been uh, in touch with the Scottish Government. Angie and Dave have just said they're delirious about your comments on the getting rid of the nuclear crap. Uh, sorry, <coughs> nuclear equipment. The, the nuclear, the chemical, the biological, that stuff, uh, you know, that stuff used to terrify us. It really mm. did. Because you know, the, the other stuff you can sort of train to defend against, that type of thing. But when that stuff's deployed, there's absolutely no defence. And, no. and, and they are not point weapons. I don't care what anybody says. They, they, you know, they are indiscriminate. Uh, you're not going to be taken out service personnel. You're going to be taken out everybody. Janet has also asked, how much of this fictitious Jers contribution, how much of that is, a is spent on defence? And what would we gain financially if we didn't have to chip in for that? Again, it's under review, the, the spending for the Scottish Defence Force. 
but it's going to be nowhere near that amount. No, no. Uh, um, and we're not paying for the vanity projects. Uh, I I wouldn't like to put a figure on it just now because it is under review. Yeah, and it's like I said, we need to be honest. I, you know, I wouldn't want to just pluck a figure out of thin air. Caroline and Keith say, how does Costa Rica manage without armed forces? No, I, I have no idea. We we have got far too much in the way of offshore assets uh-huh. to, to, to leave it without a defence force. We, we need, like it or not, there are bad people out there that want to do bad things, and it's regardless of who we are. Forget, they will attack it. We need to be able to defend uh, uh, those installations, and we need to be shown to defend it. You know, uh-huh. So surface ships, maritime aircraft, and of course, a couple of diesel-powered submarines. The Germans manufacture some great submarines, but it's a, it is a fact that their, their submarines are still rated as being some of the best in the world. Right. You know, a couple of those uh, diesel-operated boats, um, and well, diesel-electric, uh, mm-hmm. and no one knows where they are, and they can, you know, so that in itself is a deterrent. Papa actually asks the same question of, of Caroline and Keith. She said that Iceland don't have any defence forces either. Nope. No, but they've got two big American bases up there. Uh, we place called Keflavik. I think there's quite a few Americans there. Yeah. Having landed there on route to Canada, it's not so weak. Now, and if you think about all the airports in Scotland, Stornoway Airport, Dendecular, all of those airports, if you, if you Google Earth them, you will actually see they are rigged up as NATO emergency fields. Uh-huh. You'll uh-huh. see the, the off-ramps for the jet revetments, et cetera, et cetera, already in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we are prime real estate for for uh, that type of thing. But yeah, Iceland has a defence force. I mean, their, 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 um, their boats did a very successful, was it two Cod Wars they've won? Pippa follows that comment up with saying in future it'll be cyber attacks, not physical attacks. Absolutely, and, th- and that, that has been highlighted. Absolutely agree with Pippa that um, uh, the, the, the cyber attacks are, are going to be in there. So the, because the world economy is so reliant on uh, the, the internet, uh, the easiest way to cripple a country these days would be through, through cyber attacks. And also cripple their, their their power stations that all run off the contested etc. Et yeah. So yes, absolutely. We'll still need an overt force though. Everybody wants to put their mic on and their camera, and we'll give this man a round of applause in a moment or two. <laughs> 